Hi, everybody. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations with Calvin, We the Species. Uh, chronologically, it's May 27th. It's Thursday, right before Memorial Day weekend. Sometimes in, in this world of taping, we don't know when things get up uh, on YouTube, but it should be shortly. And uh, I, I'm with Timothy, in parenthesis, Tim Amatuli. And I uh, got to do a little bit of a monologue how Tim came into my world. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I got a message from a dear friend of mine, Keith Aramanitis, whom I interviewed for conversations with Calvin a couple of months ago. Uh, Keith uh, is a million things. Uh, he, he, yes, he's a dear friend. Yes, he's a, a Rutgers graduate. It is what it is, Tim. And uh, he's IT, he was a comedian, he was an actor, he was a million. Keith is a million things. Uh, and he's also a wonderful filmmaker. And, and I had interviewed Keith several times uh, for this channel, for my cable TV talk show, pre-pandemic, uh, and also for njdiscover.com. Uh, Tim is just uh, a great guy. And, and he said to me, Calvin, here's a link. Uh, um, you, you need to watch this short film by a young, amazing filmmaker, uh, Timothy Amatuli. And it was called A Quiet Pain. And uh, I, literally within a few minutes after getting that, that message from Keith, because I have this great respect for him, I, um, I watched it and it was like, oh, wow. And then I, I needed to watch it again right away because I want stuff to sink in. And, uh, and then uh, I asked Keith to make the introductions to Tim and I, uh, and we Zoomed last week and we Zoomed for a long time. Uh, I have this great respect, admiration, fascination, and, uh, and an, an only wish I could do that kind of thing, what you do to make film. Um, and, and the other amazing thing uh, about Tim and the bonding was Tim knows all about Casablanca. Uh, and which is the movie that changed my entire life around. So we're going to uh, jump because, you know, uh, Tim's a young guy, uh, a recent graduate from Fairfield. He'll tell you all about that. But he's a young guy. Uh, and, and yet there's so much uh, to him, uh, and it's really um, fascinating stuff. And 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 I'm my other one of my other uh, uh, preoccupations is with Gen Z, your generation, uh, how um, important it is to interact. And 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 actually, we're planning a panel with a bunch of Gen Z. We'll talk about that. But anyway, uh, the last thing I want to do, which I've been doing lately is a very short commercial, not a commercial in, in the commercial sense. But uh, I do want to ask everybody who's watching this to do me a favor. Um, just click subscribe and subscribe to the channel because it's uh, how we grow and I guess how we get measured out there in the world. So please uh, hit subscribe. And the other uh, thing I want to do real fast because uh, it's a sense of loyalty. I, I've recently interviewed three interesting authors. I didn't plan it that way. 
it, these are the things that happen. And, and I wanted just to show their books. Um, first uh, is Manners Will Take You Where Brains and Money Won't by Donald G. James. Uh, just interviewed Donald. Donald uh, is a 35-year veteran of NASA. And, and wow, could he tell stories, Tim? Uh, might be a, boy, could he tell stories. And this is just a great book about how to, how your generation should conduct themselves. Um, the next, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, I interviewed uh, Wajid Hassan, um, who came from Pakistan to England to America, and then did stand-up comedy for 20 years in LA and some voiceovers and some acting, and then drifted into mysticism and healing uh, and UFOs. Uh, and what an interesting, and so he wrote The Struggle for World Sanity, uh, and, and that's also up on Conversations with Calvin. And then the other day I interviewed one of the most delightful, uh, delightful persons, uh, Casey Weishi, uh, who uh, at 50 years old, give or take, wrote her first book, but it's a, a children's book, I'm the Boss of Me, and it's thoroughly, totally delightful. And the, all the interviews are up there, and Go watch, and uh, that's it. Monologue done. Uh, uh, by the way, it, it, I've been looking forward to this mainly because you like Casablanca. <laughs> so, without further ado, uh, Tim, uh, how about doing a little bit of background, a little bio of yourself? And what really intrigues me is, and we didn't talk about it a lot, you know, you grew up in Port in Japan. So, take it away. I did certainly, uh, I think that influence shows in the film that you watched. Uh, but first and foremost, thank you for having me on. I appreciate all that you do for everybody with this channel and with your reach. It's really great and you're a very nice and giving person. So I greatly appreciate you, you being able to speak with me and uh, let me discuss some things that really fascinate me. So um, it makes me feel really great. Um, yeah, so I'm a filmmaker originally from New Jersey, now living in New York, uh, graduate from Fairfield University and currently enrolled in Columbia University's Film and Media Studies Master's Program. Um, I've been making films since I was a child, uh, but kind of didn't really realize it. They was, you know, doing video projects for school and everything, and then kind of realizing I had a knack for it and that it kind of came naturally. Uh, and I started getting more obsessed with, you know, different film universes and starting to study the craft more and more. And then after taking some summer courses, I decided to commit myself to that for college. Didn't want to go to a film school initially in case it didn't work out, uh -huh. uh, which is why I chose Fairfield, though it did offer me a, a great uh, amount of resources and flexibility that I didn't see at other schools. So uh, I was given a lot of tools to experiment and uh, teach myself and also be taught by some amazing instructors. So um, I've created two real films, I'd say. I've got more that are kind of just for me or for my friends, but two that I am actually very happy with and um, have played at festivals around the tri-state area, won a couple of awards. Um, the Quiet Pain, as you mentioned, my uh, senior thesis film, which uh, just won best student short at uh, the Chain Film Festival in the city. Oh. It's most uh, 
I'd say prestigious award. Um, but it's also played at a lot of other great ones like Long Island International Film Expo where it was nominated for the same award. Um, and I also made a, uh, an eight millimeter silent short comedy uh, with my friend a couple summers back, which uh, won uh, best of the festival for uh, the United States uh, Super 8 uh, Film and Digital Video Festival, uh, which is was, another was a, event, a silent that was a silent film. Yeah, well, we had uh, our, a composer friend um, okay. create, you know, kind of the swing piano okay. and things to have it match the mood because we are big Buster Keaton fans as well. But or Chaplin. Um... Yeah, certainly. And uh, yeah, and so watching the, if you watch those two films together, uh, you will not see much alike. They're very, very different, but um, equally fun to make. Tim, was there was there like one specific incident that ignited your film thing, um, or it was just a process early on as a young kid? You drifted into it. I know you said it, but I I, I, I mean, uh, one something that really ignited you in, into film. Yeah, I would say that the. I would first of all, I would say uh, as a Star Wars fan for my entire life, that is the probably the most all-consuming influence for everything about okay. me. But uh, I would say the the first film I ever watched where I was truly like, oh wow, I like I really understand how to do things without a whole lot was uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie from 1976. Uh, One of my I'm, very I'm... very favorites. It just, I think that I thought that in that, like I just noticed movement and kind of not too much production value, but managing to do a lot with camera. And that kind of really triggered something in my head where I started to realize that stuff. And I had just generally been making a move more from video games, which I was obviously into as a child and still am, but it started making that move more over to mm -hmm. cinema where I, you know, could appreciate craft and, uh, director touchstones and everything. And so I, I originally attended Marist um, pre-college program in 2017 for, or no, no, 2017, uh, 2013 for video game design because that was originally where I was interested and uh, programming and everything. It, my brain doesn't work like that. So it didn't work out, but by that point, I was already starting to feel less into that and more into, into movies. So I went back again the next year for movie making and that was like, yep, this is it. This is where I feel at home. I feel comfortable. I, I really enjoy the collaborative process and being able to be expressive uh, and I'll, like take as much responsibility as you want for mm -hmm. any given project. Uh, it's funny, you, you mentioned a uh, carry um uh long story but that was part of the foundations of my marriage to my wife 44 years ago uh, uh, uh just about when it had come out um uh and, and we actually saw it together early on in our courtship it's an old term um it's an old term um so anyway uh I, i'm dying Yes. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm like, uh, I, I love to ask this uh, of, of filmmakers or of anybody, uh, just 
it's a simple question, but some of your favorite films and favorite directors, if you want to. Certainly, yeah. Um, as uh, many of my favorite films and filmmakers are from Japan, um, I kind of glossed over it, uh, but I grew up between New Jersey and Japan for several years. Um, from 2005 to I lived there pretty much the whole time, minus some uh, summers and winters, not even all of them. Um, and, you know, I was eight years old when I moved there, so that's a very formative age. Uh, and growing up in just a suburb, very, very uh, kind of earth shattering to have my horizons expanded so largely. Uh, and I just, you know, totally fell in love with the culture and the aesthetics and really the cinema. I was into Japanese cinema before I even moved there oh. because I loved, yeah. I, I loved Godzilla. So as a child, I, very, I feel like very few children didn't. So, uh, you know, I already had a like, uh, like a, a love for it. And then, you know, not fully formed. I was very, very young, but I was aware. And then when I moved there, it totally took me over and, um, Going into school, I would say the person I have to thank most is uh, my mentor, uh, Dr. Ji Wei Zhao at Fairfield University, who helped me, uh, who helped take me under her wing uh, to make my second major in Asian studies at Fairfield, which mm -hmm. wasn't offered, but I was able to design it with the with the program oh. uh, and turn the minor into a major. Um, and we did an independent study in Asian cinema where we got to sit down and I really got the crash course in many uh, major landmarks across um, East Asian countries from Japan to China to Korea and a little bit of Thailand. Um, and uh, my absolute favorite filmmakers, uh, Kira Kurosawa, we will definitely touch on that a little bit later. Um, I'd say my favorite film of his is Redbeard, which is not the one that most people go to, but I think is really maybe his most moving picture uh that i highly recommend to anybody if they can find it um other japanese filmmakers i really admire are mikio naruse who is not very well seen in the states um but is definitely a filmmaker that people should check out and i would say had the most influence over my thesis than anybody else i really tried to distill uh his conception of the japanese family drama to its core and try to create my own work out of its framework um, although those movies are usually like two hours long and I've tried mm -hmm. to turn it into 12 minutes, uh, which I couldn't find many that were like that. So I, I kind of had to, you know, figure it out as I went along. Uh, and then Hirokazu Koreeda, I would say is the greatest, uh, living filmmaker at the moment, or at least, uh, of a younger generation than say, you know, Scorsese's generation, mm -hmm. uh, where he just had his control over the human heart is, I think unparalleled and I've never been as moved by any of, by any films uh, than I am by him. Uh, his film Still Walking, I would say is probably my personal favorite of any film. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. Um, so let's talk about now the film that, that I watched um, uh, with completely uh, I'm not just saying it because you're you're sitting over there on the other side of a Zoom. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but it, it really the quiet pain kind of blew me away. Heavy stuff for a young guy, and emotional and heavy, 
uh, and there's so much uh, that I extracted from this. Uh, and, and of course, I, I, I kind of knew the, the end result would be, you know, we'd be doing this. So, you know, I had taken notes, but for people watching, um, uh, there'll be places where you can find film to watch. It's 12 minutes, but well worth it. Uh, riveting and, and gripping and, and hugely emotional. So, um, talk about the the influences that uh, that helped you create this. Where did it come from? Yeah, this was a really tough one to to do because I, you know, I knew for all four years of college it ends with you creating your own film, uh, and I just kind of couldn't find it for a really long time. I really couldn't think of what I wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I wound up making this film in Japanese. It actually uh, doubled as my thesis for both majors, which was an incredible oh. feat, I think. I think one of my greatest accomplishments was just pulling that off, um, but obviously made that incredibly difficult. Uh, and. I really, I sat down with my, uh, my cinematographer, Nick DeLulo, who produces incredible images and is such a pleasure for me to work with. And I would say he's my number one uh, artistic collaborator in the industry. Uh, he kind of said to me, well, what kind of Japanese film do you want to see? And I was like, yeah, like, I, I suppose, yeah. Like, I, I, I have to think of it differently. Like, I'm trying to think of my own outlandish plot or anything. And he was saying like, like, what do you like about them? And, you know, kind of just make your own version of that. And so that's when I started looking at Naruse's stuff more clearly. I'd seen tons of his movies before, but mm -hmm. I started really breaking it down into a framework, which was basically female-centric. A lot of those films are the shomen geki subgenre. Um, they're considered women's pictures um, and followed women usually in a bad marriage, uh, or widowed, one or the other <laughs> is those were pretty much the two that he made. Either they were a working woman or a housewife. Mm -hmm. um, but the marriage was never good. It was always a lot of tension, which I think is a distinctly Japanese thing, a nation that is so, um, you know, protective of a family image, one that cares very deeply about uh, family dynasty. And, you know, the last name goes first, the family name goes first there. So, uh, I think a major source of tension in their films is that family unit going wrong. Uh, but unlike, I would say, Western films, they don't usually boil over into extreme emotion or violence. It's always stuff that's very understated, which was what I was much more interested in doing because up until then, I really had only made comedic movies with friends and, you know, that you have to go big in those. That was what I enjoyed about them. Uh, but here I was really trying to change my sensibilities for that. And so that was kind of how I created the structure was, okay, it's usually infidelity starring a woman. Um, and I started thinking about uh, my own mother, not that there's been any infidelity. My parents are very happily married, uh, which is not what a lot of people think after they see this movie. Um, but I started thinking like about, you know, kind of uh, an invisible sacrifice that my mom has made all sorts of sacrifices. My dad too, but I've specifically for this framework had to think like, you know, she's made tons of sacrifices that I will never know about. 
And I thought that that was an interesting angle to take and add to this specific framework. And yeah, just kind of worked from there. It took a long time to write a lot, lot of drafts. Um, and eventually really I just had to shoot it because I worked on it for, I wrote it for about a year wow. and uh, you know, it, wow. the, the clock is ticking. I have to do it for, to graduate. So um, I started writing it in, uh, I would say January or of 2018 or even maybe December wow. 2017. Okay. And that, and then uh, shot it uh, at the end of the year in uh, 2018 and then finished it in uh, April, 2019. Although I kept tweaking it a little bit uh, for the, for the summer before I started submitting it to festivals. Could you uh, remind folks where they can see the prior pain? Yeah, so uh, I just finally made it public on Vimeo after two years, basically, okay. uh, because the festival process takes a long time. And with COVID, it really uh, made it take even longer. And it was very unfortunate because I didn't get to meet a whole lot of people, which was the point was to, you know, have it be a good networking opportunity. But on the other hand, I do get to do this now and um, and reach more people actually with virtual festivals, which is interesting. I just don't get to reach them in person. Right. Um, but it is on my Vimeo, uh, which is vimeo.com slash Timothy Amatuli. Okay. Um, so it can be found there. I think the link will be in the description. Uh, also through my website, timothyamatuli.com, you can get links directly to it. Okay. Uh, hey, and, and it's 12 minutes and, and it's so well worth to see a young, the work of a young filmmaker um, starting out. Um, and so definitely well worth it and, and to the point where I'd probably watch it again because, you know, you pick up the second time I watched it, even though it was back to back, you, you pick up a few um, things uh, uh, with her uh, and I'll leave it at that. And so before we continue, I had, um, before we went on air, I'd mentioned I'd like to ask just one cerebral question. Uh, and I think I know the answer, but I'm not that smart. But anyway, uh, so here's an off-topic question for you. Uh, excluding family or friends, somebody living or dead you'd like to spend the day with? And you may come up with a couple. You're, I think that we're thinking of the same answer, which is probably Kurosawa. <laughs> yeah, I laughed. Yeah. I laughed. It, it's definitely an easy answer for me, but uh, I don't think you get any better than him. And I, I, I mean, with all of my research that I've done with him, I really do feel like I've met him. <laughs> um, reading his autobiography, reading right. se several books dedicated to studying him, watching his entire filmography. Um, which was one of my quarantine activities. Uh, which was, I, we're going to talk about. Uh, that was my next yeah. question. Uh, um, by the way, uh, when I was your age, a long time ago, uh, I don't remember the context with the course, but whatever course it was, I don't remember. But I, I saw Rashomon and had to write a mm. report on that. Um, so, yeah, not the easiest paper to write. Probably not. I, I don't. Um, I mean, it's a long time ago. So, uh, but anyway, so 
I'm probably one of the few, I think, few people in my generation really knows a lot about Kurosawa. I don't know a lot, but I've seen his work. Um, but anyway, you, you alluded uh, to this, Tim, uh, and I'm always curious uh, what your generation did during the quarantine, anything special? Yeah, so um, after, after I graduated, I, uh, I spent my time um, freelancing and working on different sets and moved like films, TV shows, shorts, all that. Um, and my time with that kind of got cut off because the industry and the rest of the world shut down. Um, but that gave me time to kind of reassess myself and figure out what I want to do uh, because I really did miss doing analytical work um, and ultimately the, the quarantine gave me a lot of time to work on, uh, my applications, uh, to go back to grad school. Right. So, um, because of that, I'm now able to, you know, go to Columbia in the fall, right. which is amazing. Right. Um, I started out though, before making that move, I, uh, I reached out to this one, um, Asian cinema website, filmedinether.com, um, which... I have found through YouTube because they make amazing video uh, essays and they also publish a lot of articles uh, and, and film reviews. And I reached out to them because they welcome contributors. Uh, and so I started writing for them. I have a piece on Kurosawa's Kagemusha, um, which is another one of my personal favorites of his, I think an underseen epic uh, and wrote a couple different reviews for some Asian film festivals um, on films from China and Bhutan and all over. Uh, and I have a piece on Naruse uh, currently in editing, um, which will hopefully be published soon. Uh, and then some more ideas in the pipeline that okay. I you know, can work on as I have time. Uh, and once I was you know, really getting back into that, I was like, yeah, I, I really do like doing this. I felt like working, um, as a, just a crew guy, I wasn't really using my brain enough. Uh, and yeah, like I, I loved the work, but I didn't love it. Uh, the work didn't love me, I'll say. Okay. I, <laughs> I loved doing it, but I didn't love doing it full time or anything. Um, and I, I love doing it with friends and it's not as much fun when it's with new strangers all the time. And so it, it was a welcome change. And after I finished that, I also, uh, started doing a Kurosawa podcast with uh, my friend Chris. Yeah, could you talk about that? Uh, I mean, that to me is so so removed from everyday life to do a, a podcast on Kurosawa. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, definitely. So it's called uh, Sanchiro's Boys, which is named after uh, Sanchiro Sugata, the debut feature of Kurosawa. Uh, we did 35 episodes wow. uh, once a week. Wow. It took basically a year because we did a lot before we ever published um, because we wanted to really make sure we were committed because I will never start a project and not finish it. I, that is not in my wheelhouse. So um, I, was, I considered it basically another part of my grad school application uh, was just really, really get back into analyzing a lot of different films, learning director styles. I, knew a lot about him. I'd seen most of his films already, but uh, to watch a director's oeuvre in chronological order is absolutely the best way that you could ever experience an artist. And 
I think you could develop a very personal connection with them uh, as a person rather than just as a product, like seeing each film, not in isolation, but in context of someone mm -hmm. learning, especially uh, starting in the thirties uh, or in the starting in the forties and then, you know, finishing in the nineties, covering an immense amount of time where film technology and sensibilities change wildly. Um, and, and my friend uh, had only seen Rashomon. Uh, I was the only one he had seen because I think he had seen it. And uh, no, not for school. I think he just had watched it. Uh, but he knew nothing. And I knew a lot and was reading along with analytical text and stuff. So we were doing, you know, a loose, like fun, but also analytical uh, discussion of each film because some of them are very fun. Almost all of them are very good. Uh, <laughs> And there's a lot to mine in a lot of these in terms of themes and technique. Uh, and yeah, it was a very heavily edited show, which because mm -hmm. I, you know, I tried my best to make sure everything was correct. And uh, every once in a while, something slips through the cracks that I feel bad about. But um, just kind of talking off the cuff, sometimes it gets lost. But uh, did my best to really make sure that everything we were saying was right. And uh, like, you know, got the message across and kind of gave someone a companion because some of these films, there isn't much about them written or right. uh, recorded about in terms of reviews. Uh, and those are actually the episodes that tend to get more hits because uh, I think just people don't have anywhere else to turn. Wow. So I, I, and we, yeah, and we got a lot of really good feedback from fans uh, that found the show and like just appreciated the work that had been put into it. Uh, and that, yeah, that felt amazing. Uh, and ultimately at the end of the day, I said, this is for me. If anyone else enjoys that, that's a bonus. Uh, but this is really for me to get a good project done and make use of my time while I'm stuck at home uh, and learn. And I, I feel like I, I learned so much and um, I have you know no regrets about taking on the project, even though there were definitely points where I wish I hadn't cursed myself with such a difficult effort because getting a show out a week when some of the episodes are like hour 20 like it's, it's the Rashomon hard. episode was almost as long as Rashomon wow. because there's so much to discuss wow. so, yeah but funny. It, was, it was a lot of fun we, we just said when, when I was in college we, we used review books uh, all the time you know um, uh, and, and instead of reading the I'll never forget whatever I had to read for an English course when I was in college whatever i had to read i when i got the review book which was actually longer than the book <laughs> that's what you just said yeah it's kind of funny and you know there's a uh this is off topic i'm looking i'm fumbling around for something i want to find it um so this isn't uh, a japanese film but uh i knew i'd, I'd be interviewing you um and and the who knows how this thing up here works and the firing mechanisms. But uh, two nights ago, I, I watched, it's not a Japanese film, but it takes place uh, in Japan. It's called Sayonara. Did you ever hear of it? I've not seen that one, no. Well, uh, it's Marlon Brando. And um, you should watch it. It, it won, um, I think it won Best Picture uh, in 1958. It was directed by Joshua Logan, and uh, 
and and uh, by I I've seen it before, and and it, it's a great story, and it takes place in 1951, Japan, right after the war, um, and uh, Brando plays a, 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 a an Air Force uh, pilot who's very successful, um, and meets a Japanese girl. By the way, she. Um, uh, the woman that he's with, this is so off topic, I, but uh, the woman that he's with, that movie's made in the early 50s, uh, she's still living in, in New York somewhere. She's in way into her 90s. Um, Miko uh, Taka, I think is her name. But it's an interesting, but the point I wanted to make, two things, it's, it's Japan, uh, and it also pointed out just how great Marlon Brando was. Uh, um, and there are things that hang around Brando's image. When he won the Academy Award for The Godfather, you know, he sent the Native American to, to get the award. It was very controversial. But the truth of the matter is he was way ahead of his time, quite an actor. Anyway, I, I'm sorry I drifted off. I, maybe kind of a, I, you know, sometimes I drift off when I have an audience and somebody in the business. So you're going to be at Columbia in the fall. Uh, I think that's great. And looking beyond, as we wind this, looking beyond, you want to be a filmmaker. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, but I kind of you know, the, uh, the last couple of years taught me like, you know, I think I want to do it more for myself rather than, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to be like a professional director in terms of like being one of the people that gets handed projects and stuff. I hope that happens. I don't know. How, I'm not entirely sure how to make it happen, um, but I really want to keep making my own projects at my own pace uh, and then just, you know, take them to festivals and meet people and see where you know life spirals to um at the end of the day i would like to keep writing um definitely is what i find is the work that i find most enjoyable um i said to someone i said my uh i think my i would know i'd made it if i got a essay published in a dvd booklet would be the <laughs> would be what told me that i that i made it because i love you know releases from like criterion where they have all these analytical essays included and it just feels very authoritative and um professional and I, I find all that stuff wonderful so that's kind of where i'd like to go and more into a teaching direction i'd, okay. I'd like to share what i love with others uh, and that was really another impetus for the podcast was it was kind of like i was teaching a class to an audience of one at first and then an audience of however many people listen to it after um but i did I, I do really enjoy sharing the things that I love. And I think that's ultimately what being a filmmaker is, is that you're, uh, you know, influenced by what you're influenced by. And then you're kind of sharing that directly or indirectly uh, with your audiences. And so in my case, I've now shared my film with you. And by doing so, I've shared kind of the essence that I've at least tried to capture of these other filmmakers that I love that, Hopefully, maybe you would go check out afterwards. Well, you know what? I, I uh, guess what? Uh, I will. Uh, 
Excellent. I will will. I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but I'm I'm uh it's been a long time since I saw Rashomon and and your great enthusiasm for Kurosawa uh, has sparked me. I mean, I sit and I marvel. Uh, uh, I said this to you. I, I marvel at filmmakers and storytellers in the art and the craft way beyond my comprehension and way beyond. And, and that's why I was so intrigued to spend some time with you and follow up on, on Keith's suggestion because it is such a gift to do that, what you do. And, and you're, you're at that, you're at the beginning of a wonderful journey. And life's kind of funny. Uh, life's really funny. You, you, you kind of throw things up on a wall and you, you never really kind of know. I mean, 10 years ago, I, I published a novel and became a journalist and a broadcaster and a novelist. And here I am talking to you. Uh, and uh, on top of that, I taught a course uh, two years ago at Rutgers, all part of giving back and learning and experiencing and absorbing. You and uh, and you know if you're you're in the game, if if you're doing it, uh, things will happen. And and you're doing it. You you uh, and and having met you and absorbed, uh, it, it'll be kind of neat for me to watch you. And of course, we'll stay in touch. Uh, and and as we we wind down this time together, uh, I really thank you, uh, Tim, for your time. I I thank you for introducing me to the Quiet Pain, and and this time and 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 I, I really truly got a kick uh, out of you know your generation and and kind of watching. Which I will be doing. Um, so uh, and and I have a funny uh, sense of loyalty, and I'll say it on air. Uh, uh, this channel will keep on evolving, and 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 I have no idea when I started this in September it would it would be growing like this, and this is my seventy first uh, interview, uh, and. Uh, I mean, I just never knew. So it's evolving, which is leading me to say, hey, come back. Yes. Uh, you have a project, an idea, uh, and you want a platform, you want a panel, hey, whatever. Uh, I'm here. Uh, yeah, no, the, certainly after whatever, whatever my next film is, I have some stuff written. I've got, but uh, obviously making a film right now has not been easy. Uh, and whatever my next project winds up being, you'll, you know, be the first to know. Please do. And, and uh, I'm also a bit of a groupie. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm close to the independent, bunch of independent filmmakers here in Jersey. And, and from time to time, they've invited me to the set where I just love to sit and watch. So uh, invite me to the set, I love to sit and watch. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, thank you so much for this. Uh, I wish you so much good things. Uh, uh, and, and it's so exciting, you know, Columbia, great school. Um, and uh, please do come back. I hope so. And I'll let you know about Kurosawa. Yeah, please. Yeah.
thank and thank you for having me and uh I, again i really appreciate all you do and thanks to keith as yes, well for keith. putting us together and it's funny we did, uh, we uh, kind of alluded to his films a little bit but um we really connected because we kind of made the same film a little bit yeah you did yeah. and i didn't mention that uh <laughs> it's funny when i watched the quiet pain what what resonated with me was it, it reminded me of be home soon which was such a wonderful short film that keith did yeah i really uh, it. on the same subject matter basically yeah um, and i think that's what's fun about it is that it's it's similar uh but two different, different people wind up creating very different very very uh, different works but i definitely think it was a good uh starting point for our relationship together with yeah uh, just saying yeah. like oh yeah like I, I guess you know crying in the shower works for everybody so <laughs> great stuff really his film be home soon i'm looking at the little uh, poster from sitting over there I, I look at it all the time uh uh and it's funny i i don't I don't critique and review. I, I think I mentioned that to you. I'm, I'm not a, yeah. I, I don't like to review things because I, I like positivity. And then, uh, and so I always review, when I do review things, uh, I always put up a positive slant on it. And in the real world, that's not what people want, but that's what they get from me. But with Keith, it was really easy. Um, and same thing uh, with The Quiet Pain. If I did a review, it's it's really positive, really positive stuff, and and um, and I actually I would put myself up with quite a bit of film reviewers and being able to, you know, digest and and put down what needs to be put down. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but anyway, um, this was great. Uh, have a wonderful uh, holiday weekend, uh, and you and I will be in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Awesome. Thank you.